Sensitivity is the way forward for all human beings to grow in empathy, connection and love. Welcome to Love featuring your host, Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Following on from the recent episode on empaths with Rebecca Brown, there have been some deep discussions going on in the Love Life Tribe Facebook group. I knew by introducing the topic of empaths that this may cause confusion for some people, as it really can be a conflicting and triggering topic. As with everything in life, though, no one rule fits all. However, I wanted to continue the conversation around sensitivity, so I jumped onto Skype with fellow Love Life Triber and NLP practitioner Peter Lennon, where I recorded the following conversation. I knew that when Rebecca Brown and I did the empath recording, it was going to open up a huge can of worms. And I've been waiting four and a (laughs) half years to do that recording. (laughs) To open up that can. Well, I had to wait till I felt the time was right, but also where I felt like I had enough clarity and understanding around it. So the first thing I actually have to say is that this is just my feelings and my beliefs. And my experience. So, you know, admittedly, having coached hundreds of HSPs, if not more than that, it is a complex area in that I don't think there's one rule that fits all. So that's the first issue. The second issue is that I don't believe that I have found an expert in this arena that I agree with everything or that they would agree with me on everything. I think we would all have slightly different takes on it. And that's because, in my opinion, this is about the evolution of the human species. And so it's brand new. So there's philosophy in this, there's spirituality, there's science, there's self-development. It is a real melting pot of everything. Easy. Yeah, real easy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my understanding is that empaths, have known who they are and what they are forever. And in more recent times, they've often been the psychic that is working in maybe the body, mind, soul fairs, and they are doing their readings using their empath gifts. Right. They've very much been within that kind of spiritual realm. And then in the 90s, late 90s, thanks to Dr. Aaron, the science behind sensitivity came out. And so we started having people come through self-development, understanding, being highly sensitive. So I feel that there's a third entry point. So we've had the entry point through spirituality and we've had the entry point through self-development. If we use the word sensitivity, forget empath, forget highly sensitive. If we would use the word sensitivity, the entry point to somebody embracing their sensitivity has come through spiritually for many people. For many other people, it has come through self-development. And there's a third wave that I believe that are coming through, and that is coming through trauma. And the trauma is, in my belief, tied in with all that was discussed around 2012 and moving to a fifth dimensional world and moving to 
a conscious awareness and that, you know, when the planet gets to 51%, we're there and when it's the majority and all of those sort of theories that have been kicked around for the past decade or two. Yeah. We're kind of seeing or evolution of the human species where sensitivity is now to be embraced. And I think that anybody listening to this would agree with that statement in that, you know, with so much conflict and trauma and distress in the world, it's very clear that where sensitivity has been lacking. There's got to be a better way. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And that an injection of sensitivity, some will say sensitivity is, is heart. Some will say it's love. You know, I think there's a lot of overlapping words that can be used here. So that's the third entry point for each individual to learn to enhance their sensitivity. So this is where it gets really complex because the beautiful natural empath who has kindness and a deep understanding of others' emotions and needs or whether it's in the physical, but for many that we tend to talk about through the Love Life Tribe tend to come about through being emotional empaths. It's a natural way of being. They've just lived that way. They've never questioned it. They just, or maybe they have questioned it. I shouldn't assume that. But it is a way of being and they don't know any other way and they don't know how to have any other way. But if their entry point has been that way of being, then they may not have done self-development. Now, if they've not done self-development, then they are going to have the shadow side of sensitivity playing out. And that can look like a lot of things, but it could look like having their feelings hurt, taking things personally, attracting toxic relationships into their life, being abused or taken advantage of extremely. So that's the external boundaries that are not being well conducted. The internal dialogue that could be going on for that particular sector of people, if they've not done the self-development, is that they don't have the tools of of actually seeing it as an incredible gift. They see it as a hindrance. They can move into anxiety. They can move into depression internally. Right. This is starting to make sense for me. Okay, good. All right. So that's the empath pocket. And the reason that makes sense is that that's where your entry point to sensitivity is personally, I believe, for you. Right. I'm not going to argue the point because I'm so confused with it all. I absolutely have some traits of empath. I have some traits of HSP, but then there's some other things in there that just trigger me, especially on the HSP side. Yeah, we'll get to that in a tick because I think that's fascinating. Cool. So then we've got people that have come in to understanding about sensitivity through self-development where they've they've chosen to research and they found Dr. Aaron's work and they relate to it. And they've done the internal work. And so they've got healthy boundaries. They've got the ability to speak their truth. They've got the ability to not take things personally. They are managing themselves completely fine in that they now have tools to not have overwhelmment in their life. But they're wanting to move into potentially embracing it as the gift it is. But they are so in their head because that's what's worked for them to this point, that now they've got to learn about love and they've actually got to learn about deep compassion for every person walking the planet. And so that's the challenge for many is to get out ahead and into heart. And 
I've actually recently recorded a podcast. Now, whether it comes out before this or after this, I'm not sure. But also with Rebecca Brown about you got to have faith. And we talk a lot about the opening of the heart. So that is the potential blueprint for that pocket of people in that that fit that story. Then we've got the people that come to us through trauma. Now, trauma could be something severe that's happened to them. It could be a marriage breakdown. It could be a health challenge. It could be a career crisis. It could be a financial situation. It I'm could... just ticking the boxes. Oh, okay. <laughs> You've done that. You've done that. You've done that. And survived it, may I add. <laughs> yes. Yeah, indeed. It could also, though, be a trauma through severe anxiety or uh, consistent depression. Yep. And so for those people, they then identify, they hear about being highly sensitive or they hear about empath. They could have an entry point now in the current day of either of those descriptions and relate to them. And then they go, oh, my gosh, this is what's wrong with me. And this pocket of people are really struggling to embrace this as a gift. And they want to turn the switch off and get rid of it as quick as they can. And if they could have a DNA operation, they would. (laughs) However, those beautiful people have no choice, in my opinion, but to do the work. And what is the work? It is everything on 200, nearly 50 episodes of Love Life. It is doing the self-love. It is understanding how to speak your truth. It's having healthy boundaries. It's healing the past. It's looking at every trigger. It's embracing the shadow side. It's self-ownership and it is self-love. And so they've got a lot of work to do to really embrace their sensitivity because they're struggling and wanting to turn it off and see it as a negative thing. So this is where the confusion comes because we've got entrance points all over the place now. Whereas if we went back 30 years ago, we had one entrance point, it was spirituality. If we went back 20 years ago, there was one entrance point and that was, well, two entrance points. We had the additional one of coming through the science of it, through the medical And now we've got a third entrance point of the energies, the woo-woo, the evolution of the species. So it's getting mucky and murky, and this is what I call the XY chaos. This is where the old vibration is no longer working. The desire for the new is starting to form. People are visualizing and imagining and working towards the new. But in the meantime, there is this great big, mucky, messy ball of mud. And that is the chaos that we're sitting in right now as we're trying to gain clarity around our individual journey as well as our collective journey. So we've got our internal game that everyone's working on and then we've got our external game. So now instead of three entry points, we've now got six stories. The internal, depending on what entry point. The external, depending on what entry point. Then we're going to add another double that to 12 because we've got to talk about the shadow. So this is where it gets very complex. So the shadow side is playing out in each individual, of course, because the shadow is what is teaching us where to grow, what to heal, what to embrace, where to move forward. So it is very complex. And this is where never has it been more important for people to have one-on-one coaching. 
because I can do a million podcasts on this and no one is going to fit each person. So they've got to get to individual story. Then once they get their individual blueprint, their story and their plan, their new game plan, then they can go out and listen to all sorts of podcasts and and read books and go to courses and they can gather the tools that are appropriate to them. But people are struggling with the start with the starting point and the the new plan for them. Where to from here? Yeah, and I think that's important because you know we always get stuck in binary labels you know am i hsp or am i empath am i male or female you know we know there's a whole spectrum of different you know sexualities and and i guess uh you know you're talking about the different entry points here so it's making a lot more sense i've kind of given up i think as of this week Am I HSP? Am I empath? Yeah, and, and don't I'm, worry about it. It doesn't I'm, I'm matter. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, that's right. Well, actually, it's interesting because I was about to post a thing in, in the tribe, which was where the discussion started that got you and I on Skype, yeah. um, because I want to say let's drop the labels and go with the word sensitivity, and then it applies to everybody. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's really what we're doing. And in fact, in my private life with, you know, my beautiful HSP friends of Amber Petty and Nikki Huskis, who I've, you know, who I have on the show regularly, we don't do HSP anymore. We just use the term sensitive. Okay. We actually don't particularly like it as an individual label, but we love the word sensitivity. And so... I do encourage people to embrace labels initially in the early diagnosis of working out who you are, what's important to you, what's your story, where have you come from, you know, our beautiful brains wanting to understand everything and join dots. I think labels are fantastic to help us. And then use those labels to drive you to the resources that you need because they're going to be more likely to be suitable. So if somebody was diagnosed, for want of a better word, or if they chose to label themselves as ADD or as uh, having Asperger's or whatever, or anxiety, it doesn't matter. Those labels lead you to resources that are going to have a much greater chance of helping the individual. Yeah, that's right. So that's what I love about labels. It's like get you into a group where you can have support and find the tools that you need and and the support that you need. But then as you embrace those, let go of the labels because none of us are going to fit the box 100%. We're all going to be a little bit of square pegs in a round hole because we are meant to be individual and we're meant to have individual journeys so that we can be connecting with each other in unique ways and sharing our wisdom in unique ways. And I could have 10 beautiful people that I all highly respect come and talk about high sensitivity and or empaths. And we're all going to be on exactly the same page. We're all going to be saying exactly the same thing in total different language with total different entry points, total different stories and journeys. And people sitting in the audience, they might say, oh, that one was shit. That one was a waste of time, but loved yeah. that one. Yeah. And that's that's the idea of, of getting the label, getting the tools, then letting it go and have your own blueprint. And I love that. I think it's wonderful that we will speak slightly differently so that different people can connect and understand. So it's meant to be complex. Right. And look, it's making a lot more sense. I, you know, as you know, well, I don't, I don't know if you know, but there's certain aspects of HSP that has been triggering me mm-hmm. and I, I haven't been able to work through that. 
As of today, though, I think what it is, is it is the shadow side that triggers me. It is. I guess my entry point has been through self-development. I've been doing that for at least 35 years. I don't really know when it started. It's when I hear things like, you know, I take on the energy and I sit there and even if they don't ask me, I take on the energy and, and that makes me feel this way and all that. That runs counter to a lot of my beliefs that I've held, you know, for a long time, but also that uh, that have been enhanced through NLP. You know, some of the things like, you know, there's a, a fundamental to NLP about your four powers. You have the power to choose what you think, what you say, what you believe and how you feel. And what I feel I'm hearing is that I'm not a choice around how I feel and that that kind of it's like you're at effect to other people you know you're not at cause you have no control over how you feel in certain situations okay perfect perfect because what's happening here is that that is the person whose entry point has been empath but not being able to manage it it's somebody that can't help but feel somebody else's emotions. Yes. Is actually a full-blown emotional empath with no skills. Right. And to me, from an NLP, you know, that is you're you're at effect to things outside of you. And this is where my judgment then comes in. And I think, why would you want to go through the world? And and I, I can hear what I'm saying already about as if people choose this, but why would you want to go through the world at effect of things outside you? It's not certainly how I would like to live. And I, I guess that's been my 35 years has been about not being at effect but being a cause, that I manifest my own feelings, my own moods. I'm not at effect of others. Mm-hmm. No, I, okay. I, I don't always get there. <laughs> no, totally understand. <laughs> totally, and I love this. Okay, a couple of th- – my mind is going at 100 miles an hour with so many things to say here and I'm forgetting some of them. All right, so the first thing is that – That person's entry point is coming in on something that they can't choose. And that's threatening to a modality that says, but it is a choice. Yes, I'm threatened. Absolutely. It is a threat. It's Look, I can remember when I introduced beautiful Rebecca Detman to the teachings of Abraham, she freaked out. She loved it at first and then freaked out because she said, Jane, they don't believe in past lives. And that is the basis of all of my teaching. And what we're having here is a very similar conversation. Hang on, the basis of all my teachings, you're saying that there's a hole in this. This is a flaw. I'm not comfortable with that because I love this. This has worked for me and it's worked for my clients. So it's very confronting. But I remember when I said to Beck, hang on, this is for a pocket. Now, I don't think there ever is anything that is black or white. But this particular modality is perfect for a lot of people, but it's not perfect for everyone. And you actually said that when I interviewed you about NLP. The very first thing you said was, it's not for everyone, but let's see if it's for you and give it a go, right? No, I did too. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. And that's right. And that is the truth of everything. But does it mean that it doesn't work? It means it's not right for them right now. And I said the same thing to Beck, is that, Beck and I totally have experienced past life, so we totally get it. But maybe 
for where the collective consciousness is that was at that time following the teachings of Abraham's, it was not beneficial to bring that in. Just like I didn't bring in what I knew about empaths four and a half years ago because I sensed that it may not be beneficial at that point. So I feel like it's a threat to a belief system that doesn't need to be a threat. It just needs to be that some people need to have a different entry point and a different tool because I do believe that NLP does work for everyone and I do believe you have a choice in what you feel. The difference is that an empath feels first and then has to manage. Right, okay. And they've got no choice in that. They've got no choice. If you're taking on someone else's energy and you're feeling, I don't know, down or low or whatever – I would find it hard to imagine that you could keep that state if you ran down the street naked. Do you know what I mean? And to me, that suggests that it's a state. It's a a state that you take on. You do take it on, yes. Unconsciously, you may, may not be aware of it all, but you're taking that state on, which means, I guess by definition, you can take another state on if you choose to, if you know how to, I guess. Absolutely. That's 100% right in my belief. And you're quite right in that it is something that you can turn on and off. I absolutely can turn it on and off. However, it's not easy. Right. No, yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. It's taken me decades to get to this point and I can't always control that. There are times I can't turn it off. Right. And that's where I have to manage me. Yeah. And I know what they are and I get there. Okay, so I'll give you an example of where I wasn't able to hold the energy. Many years ago, a beautiful friend of mine was going through a very traumatic separation. We were together and she was telling me what happened. And, of course, this is a beautiful friend. I'm right in her energy, totally feeling it. And that's where, you know, boundaries are harder with those you love than with those that you don't have as strong a connection with. Yes. And so that's why you get triggered by the HSPs in your family, just a side note, Peter. absolutely, yeah. (laughs) We'll we'll get there too. We will. And so as we were sitting there, and she might have spent about half an hour sharing her story with me, and then another friend joined us, and so she told the story again. Now, this went on for about four hours as new people were joining us because, of course, that's the first thing, you know, what's going on, what's happened? But holding that energy, I started to get very sick around three hours into it. I could, I wasn't coping at all and I knew I needed to exit, but it was at my home, so I couldn't exit. And so when everybody left at about the fourth hour, I vomited. I vomited so badly, but the instant that I finished vomiting, I felt completely fine. All right. So somehow that energy actually manifested into the physical which then had to be purged out of my body. So that happened many years ago, and I haven't had too many situations I haven't been able to manage since until only a couple of weeks ago where I had a very, I'm going to use the word toxic, potential client. Clearly, I didn't take her on as a client. Um, Phone me and abuse me, and I was sitting in quite neutral energy. I could see where she was coming from. I knew what her triggers were, and using all of my skills to, I chose to not be in rapport, but I chose to not be out of rapport. I was just going to listen and let it go. Yeah, that was on a Friday, and I got off the phone, and I found myself shaking, and that threw me because I don't normally have that kind of reaction. I didn't take it personally. I wasn't triggered. She rang back on the Monday. And had the same thing happen again. And that was when I realized her energy 
was really so toxic for me, for me, that I actually couldn't use my existing tools to allow, not allow that energy physically into my body. So it was a physical thing, wasn't an emotional, wasn't feeling what she was feeling. I just felt shaken. So those things can still happen from time to time, but that's twice that it's happened in probably four years. Did it trigger anything in you? Was it? No, nothing. Right, okay. Nothing, nothing at all. That was the interesting thing. I've had plenty of people over the last 11 years of, you know, doing the work I do that have triggered me, absolutely. Uh, And I'm very good to own my own trigger, get off the phone and deal with my own stuff. Yeah. And then thank the universe for the lesson. (laughs) Yeah. But this one, there was just nothing. There was no trigger. I, I absolutely understood where she was coming from. And it was just a very healthy boundary of mine that I chose to not work with her, want to yeah. work with her. And I was very kind and compassionate in my reasons why. And that's that. I've never experienced that sort of thing. I, You know, I talk as if I'm completely in control a lot, but I'm not. It gets harder in intimate relationships, you know, with family, with partners yes. uh, with children and that sort of stuff and in those sort of situations I struggle as much as everyone else but I probably don't talk about too much well here's the thing I want to suggest to you Peter is that let's say that you and your gorgeous partner are having she, she's having a meltdown and you're annoyed by it okay you're really really annoyed <laughs> it's like can you just get your shit together <laughs> we're talking theoretically obviously absolutely not um but this is real life this is what happens in relationships there's no shame in it or embarrassment it just is what it is and your thought process is why can't they just get it together i've got it yep, together why absolutely. can't they get it together yes but the fact that you were triggered so much i suspect is a couple of things the first thing is i actually believe you are feeling what she's feeling and you don't like that feeling Yes, I would agree. And that's the empath in you, right? You're feeling that and you go, I don't want to feel this. Because I have some strong beliefs and strong boundaries and fuck if I'm going to take on other people's. It's hard enough dealing with my own. But you are taking it on. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. And so... Then there's judgment. Well, the judgment is because you're being triggered by the shadow side of what you're not owning within yourself. Yes. So the work would be... And we don't have to get too personal on all of this for a public recording. That the work would be, you know, identify what the judgment is and then look at the shadow side of that within yourself. I'll use myself as an example. So let's say this client that rang me, I was triggered and I went, wow, how self-entitled is this lady? Now, that would have been a fair assessment to have maybe, maybe made. So let's say I did feel that. Wow, how self-entitled is she? And that fires me up and I'm going into battle to point out that she is self-entitled. But actually what's going on is I'm seeing my own sense of self-entitlement. Self-entitlement, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't see that. Well, I do see it, but it doesn't trigger me because I know I can be self-entitled. So I don't see it as a bad thing. It's not something that the universe needs to bring up in me for me to heal and own because I've actually already worked on that particular trait within me. So it doesn't trigger me. I just see it for what it is and go, oh, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, I felt like that. I've been like that. I get where that can come from. It just is what it is. Yeah. As I'm thinking about it now, I, I'm, I'm recalling there's a, there's a meta program in NLP. Uh, so those meta programs are those systems of thinking that we habitualize over the years. Right. And one of those is over-responsible, under-responsible. It's a spectrum. And it's a driver meta program for me. So... 
I've been described by a coach once as being like a golden retriever with a litter of pups. I'm over there, I'm over there, I'm, you know, looking after everyone and, and it's so fucking true and annoys the shit out of me that he's so, he's so right. And that's over-responsibility. Yes. Now, the opposite side of that is under-responsibility. So when I see... And that triggers you. That triggers me. So when I see comments about, you know, I take on the energy and all that sort of stuff, I'm going, you're over-responsible for someone else and you're under-responsible for yourself. And I think it triggers me because I know that intellectually and academically, but it's something that I struggle with and probably don't own up enough to it. It's easy for me to see it in other people at a time. It's a little harder for me to see it myself at any moment of time. Okay, so when others are stating... You know, I, I'm taking on their staff, etc. So often that is about nothing really to do with sensitivity whatsoever and everything to do with the trait of people pleasing so that people will like me, please like me. And yes. that comes from self-worth. So that is somebody that has to do some real good self-love. They've got to get in there and they've got to start to learn to love themselves like the biggest cheerleader to themselves. That's actually nothing to do with being sensitive except that the trait of sensitivity will lead to many people experiencing that. That's a common thing. Now, in yourself, when you see a meltdown of somebody, one of your HSP, you know, beautiful family members that are not coping, you see that as under-responsible. Under-responsible, yeah. So, therefore, your shadow side of hating, therefore, we can look at resentment would be in that as well. Oh, there's a lot of resentment. Absolutely. And it's like, <laughs> radio. I'm not as nice as everyone really thinks I am. Yes, you are. You're completely normal and we're all like this. This is the thing. When we can say, I am all of these things, that's peace. That's beautiful. So, definitely resentment. I don't like admitting to, to that. But definitely resentment is a, is a part of it. Oh, God, I hope Michelle never listens to this podcast. No, please. Look, even if she did, honestly, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> it's like this is self-ownership, which is exciting. Yes, okay, that's right. Before you get to resentment, yes. you use the feeling of resentment to go, I don't want to feel this way anymore. It's not a cool feeling. So look at over-responsible, under-responsible. Okay, what I would question for you to ponder is where in your life have you too been under responsible and there will be areas okay so you've just all the time (laughs) you've just suppressed it and hidden it and not own it so because you don't want to be that person but the reality is you are that person so have a look at when being under responsible has occurred in your life right in the negative when you don't like it But equally, when is it a good time to be under-responsible? Look at the positive. And so this is where we get rid of the charge. Yeah, okay, that's good. Around a certain thing. Yeah. So there are times being under-responsible is very important in life. It's like I feel like there are times I have to back off and let my children do things themselves. Under-responsible. Yes. 
or higher self maybe. I think of, well, okay, they've forgotten their iPad for the third day in the row. No, I'm not actually going to take it to school. I'm checking out of that one. They're going to suffer and that's a good thing. I'm going to check out because I had planned to not work for two hours and sit and watch a movie and relax. I'm going to do that. I'm choosing to be an under-responsible person in this moment. And I think you're spot on. And I sense that this is very common in people who are in healing, helping practices. A lot of the people in the Love Life tribe, that they are over-responsible for other people and under-responsible for themselves. And, and so that's me. I'm the golden retriever looking after the kids, looking after them, Michelle, looking after my ex-wife, you know, whoever, all those freaking people in my life, the golden retriever running around, and I never get time to look after myself. And, of course, I, I know what the dangers are. You know, it'll come in bloody health issues or that sort of thing. I had a bit of a scare yesterday, which didn't turn out to be uh, an issue. Oh, hopefully I've got to get some more tests done. But it, it was just a reminder that I think, well, you tell me, but I, I think it would be common amongst healing people, amongst sensitive people, that they are over-responsible for others and under-responsible for themselves. What do you think? Absolutely, definitely. Oh, and I feel that one of the lovely things about that is that you're actually using your empath skills. It is as the empath that you go, hang on, I can help here, I can do this. But it also, there's a payoff. We do that because it makes us feel good. You know, yes. why have I done nearly 250 uh, yeah. episodes? It makes me feel good. You know, there's always a payoff. So to put ourselves as the sacrificial lamb and say that here we are, aren't I a great person? I'm so kind, I do all of this. It's like, but let's go deeper and go, yeah, but there's a payoff there. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, and look, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things, you know, because I'm Mr. 100% self-worth uh, person, but there's got to be a self-worth issue at the at the the bottom of it. Yeah, I love looking after people because everyone thinks I'm a really nice guy. And Absolutely. You're a great parent. You're a great father. You're a great ex-husband and all that shit. And why am I? There's got to be a self-worth, you know, makes me feel good. Here's the thing. What is wrong with feeling all of those beautiful things? What is wrong with being appreciated for being a great father, for being a great husband, for being a good provider, for having friends that like you, for having clients that respect you and appreciate you? What's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with it. If it's not broken. Yeah, that's it. Until it doesn't work for you. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You know, until you become reliant on it or something like that. Yes. If you are reliant on it for your sense of self-worth. But the motivation, you have to look at, well, why am I doing this? Where does this come from if it's not working for you anymore? And that's where you go, well, you know, maybe my father was the complete opposite and I swore I'd never be that person. So you go the complete other way. You know, it's the the person that enters a new relationship after a long-term one's ended. I'm never going out with anyone like that. So they go for the complete opposite, second train wreck waiting to happen. You know, we've just got to go through these experiences of opposites so that we can finesse and have greater clarity around what it is we do want. I don't think we need to get too hung up in it. I don't think, unless, you know, you're curled up in a ball in a cupboard like I've been before, as you know from a previous podcast, it doesn't need fixing. It's not broken. It's just interesting observation. But if you want to smooth the way through the little ripples and bumps in the road where maybe you do feel, you know, resentment around, look, I know my own husband, he feels resentful around me. Sometimes I feel resentful about him. That's how it is, you know, but let's, let's be honest. And, And the good news is that, 
thankfully we're not both resentful at the same time, or maybe that is when divorce happens. I don't know. We've been at different times. Um, Yeah. I'm also thinking that I have some sensitivity skills or whatever you want to call them, which I've been able to use in the sales area where I can understand what's going on with a person in their life and in coaching people, whether people who report to me or in private practice in coaching, you know, so I can, I can use those, those sensitivity skills to understand things. Then I have boundaries, you know, I don't have to take on energy, but as, as soon as I comes to family where I want to be loved, that's when I get tested with, with those boundaries and, and the boundaries then harder to, to keep up, you know, because I do care if they love me and I don't care if, you know, yes, employees love me or customers love me. Um, I, it's not such a trigger. So interesting. interesting it is interesting, it? but you know, it's always those closest to us that are going to teach us the most about ourselves. And we marry the people, we give birth to the people that are going to teach us the most about ourselves. And I wouldn't want it any other way. Yes, indeed. So we've done a big philosophical discussion. We have. (laughs) All around. And I'm not sure that I have really solved any great issues here. Oh, no, you've brought some clarity to me because, as I said, the shadow side of HSP has triggered me uh, continually. You know, every podcast I've listened, I've gone, oh, yeah, that's lovely. Oh, I get that. Oh, yeah. And then I've gone, oh, no. And, you know, (laughs) and it's, it's triggered me to the the core, you know, and it's yes. been about my beliefs. So, no, it, it has helped me. Uh, and, and, you know, like we said right at the start, it doesn't really matter. These labels don't matter so much. Um, once you get into them, I don't really care. They don't. Whether I'm HSP or empath, I'm on a certain course and that's all that, that matters, I guess. But when I was first embracing, learning, learning to embrace my sensitivity, I shared with everybody that was close to me that this is how I am because it was important that they respected and understood where I was at and how I was trying to learn more about me and do a better job of managing me. And I needed their support and compassion for that. And then as I met new people that I felt were going to be important people in my life, it might be people that I work with, people I do joint ventures with, etc. then it was important for them to understand. So I used to tell them. Now I don't tell anyone. It's not actually Ooh. something that... It doesn't define me, and I encourage people to not let them define them. Yes. Now, it's interesting you say that because my feeling that I'm a non-HSP <laughs> de- defines me a little. I'm kind of It proud. does. I'm, oh, I'm I know. Bit, yeah, I know. I'm you a bit spent, proud of not being HSP. I know, but you spent years wanting to be in the cool kids club. I know, yeah. yeah and yeah. we then said, all right, Peter, guess what? You're an empath you're in. And yeah. now you're going, no, I don't want to be that lot of Fruit Loops. <laughs> Well, and, and, and again, when you, you know, the podcast on, on empath, I was a bit more comfortable being an empath than an HSP. And I think that's around the, the shadow side of HSP. Yeah. And that's because the people in your life have entered learning about their sensitivity through trauma, through anxiety, through not coping, through not being happy with who they are. So therefore, yes. it, it's entering the shadow side. Yes. Which is different from somebody's journey who has entered it as, I've got this gift. Oh, yeah. Okay. I gotcha. So I think that it'll be interesting where I've got, you know, two children, nearly 16 and 18, that have been raised embracing sensitivity, where the shadow side is not likely to trigger others because they just kind of go, oh, yeah, that's part of it. That's it. 
managing it, mm. dealing with it. So it's just a different entry point and a different, as a result of the entry point, a different journey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off on a tangent here, and that is when your kids were younger and you were noticing sensitivity traits, was there any pressure either from yourself or from others to look for diagnoses of, you know, I don't know, autism spectrum disorder or any any of those sort of things? Well, I never allowed that in my world because I'd been a fair way down the path of self-development. Right. And so that wasn't in my world. But I can remember going to a doctor for myself personally when I was in my, what, early 30s maybe? So we're probably talking 20 years ago plus and – describing, you know, how I was having extreme emotional mood swings was the Uh great big term used back then, probably early 90s or something, and uh, and being told that I was bipolar and being offered medication to manage that. Yes. So I think that for many people that could be the experience that they may be facing. I probably had enough life skills and awareness by the time the children came along that – that just wasn't on in our radar. It wasn't. Yeah. I was firmer in my delivery of by the time when my eldest reached school age, you know, I was able to sit down with a teacher and say, now, she's a highly sensitive child. She has a different nervous system. Are you familiar with this? No, I'm not. Well, please let me educate you. It means she can get overwhelmed at certain points, bang, bang, bang. So I went in very much as the authoritarian, the expert on my child and what was going on, and I was educating them that there wasn't seen as a negative. It was just seen as a trait that had gifts and had things to be managed. So I didn't give any room for somebody's opinion because I was the authority on my child. And they didn't struggle academically, did they? No. This is where, you know, it's not one rule fits all. And no, I've, no. I've been very blessed to have two children that actually have really thrived in various different arenas. So that hasn't been my life plan to have those challenges that many parents do have. Yes, yeah, sc- schooling can be hard because funding is often dependent on a diagnosis of something. So with a kid that's uh, highly sensitive and might be struggling academically, there is some motivation to have them diagnose as something so you can get extra funding for support in the classroom. Oh, so you get, right, more assistance to help the individual, right. Yeah, yeah, because right. we don't really have needs-based funding. You know, we don't have people who just need some extra help so they get the help. Right. You know, you've got to have something. Right. <laughs> Which is, right. you know. Well, here's the good news. Everybody has something. Everybody. Yeah, but you've got to have something recognised. And the person that says to me, I don't have anything, yeah. I go, yes, you do. It's called denial. <laughs> yes. But it doesn't matter. I mean, if people are happy, it's not broken. Don't fix it. Don't go looking yeah, for it. Yeah. I only say that everyone's got something for us to all feel calm and peaceful about our own stuff. Yeah. Well, this has been a lovely impromptu chat. Thank you for posing the questions, Peter. They were awesome and really pleased I got this opportunity. <laughs> Hope our ramblings help some others to uh, go down the rabbit hole and understand a little bit more about sensitivity and empaths and the complexity of life. If you are struggling with sensitivity, whether it comes in the form of being an empath without tools for creating healthy boundaries, being highly sensitive and maybe having anxiety that robs you of happiness, 
perhaps experiencing constant feelings of being hurt or finding yourself regularly sensory overwhelmed, then I highly recommend booking in for a one-on-one coaching session with me where we can explore what is unique to you and create a plan to learn to understand and manage your sensitivity. I also encourage you to consider downloading the course I created specifically to help sensitive people. Whether they identify as highly sensitive or empaths, the course is the turbo boost way to deeply understand and manage your sensitivity, which I created to take sensitive people from challenges to embracing the gift of sensitivity. It's an eight-module online course that can be done in your own time and you have lifetime access to ensure that you're not overwhelmed through the learning process. The course is filled with every tip, tool and trick I have ever learnt over the past decades to help me to thrive in life as a highly sensitive empath. I deeply believe we need guidance, support and tools to manage the gift of sensitivity and I'm constantly excited when I witness someone move from the challenges to fully embracing their gifts and spreading the love sensitivity enables through their gift. To check out these services, head to my website janedonovan.com.au or you can email or private message me if you want some further information. And until next week... Look each day to see the gifts your sensitivity brings, both to you and to others, and sit in that beautiful achievement and feel great. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening, and it's a beautiful day.